Okay, here's how Miro works. See, it's amazing. What's everyone doing at David's desk? Ever since marketing started using Miro's collaborative online whiteboard, he thinks all our other teams should sign up. Why? He says Miro's making his meetings disappear. And if every team gets on it, that means even less meetings. They're using Miro for brainstorms, mind maps, customer research. So could we use Miro instead of having another hundred meetings for every round of feedback? Yep. You can comment, react to ideas, even leave a recording on the board. And what about presentations? There are Miro templates for that. How do you know so much about Miro? I've actually been using it all along. I just used a Miro board to plan the best vacation. Okay, I'm on board. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com. Hi guys, welcome back to another Boys in the Band podcast bonus episode, another My Naughties number one album. I'm Pete Smith and I've got Rich Gallagher with me as always. How you doing Rich? Good week so far, mate? Yeah, really really enjoyed uh, putting the Spinto Band pod out of the weekend. Got loads of lovely comments on, online from that. You know, loads of people who are just sort of popping up on, on our DMs and on, on the comments and saying, oh, I love this band. Uh, so clearly a, a lot of... A lot of love for this this band, as, as, as I said on the pod, I, I thought well, they were British and they obviously had a lot of fans uh, all around the world from, from the comments we've got from people. So that's great. Yeah. Uh, one person we haven't had a comment from so far, unfortunately. No. Paul McCartney. Paul, Paul McCartney. Let us down. There, <laughs> you know, don't hesitate, Paul. Or if any, any of you, you know, if you're sat by Paul at the moment or have got his number, just drop him a text. Just let him know yeah. that Nick from the Spinto Band would quite like to <laughs> produce some music <laughs> with him. You know, we made things happen for uh, for Fred from Spectre the week before, and I, I feel like we'd be letting Nick down if we can't get him in a room with Paul McCartney. But you know, it's not it's it's over. It's beyond us now. It's over to you guys. You need to make this happen. <laughs> yeah, do it, do it. Um, but we obviously also caught up with Nick and Thomas to get their minorities number one album choices, um, and so here they are. It's funny. I feel like, like I mentioned before, it was a little bit tough just because I feel like I'm such like a. I can just like listen to like a pre-chorus of a song for like three years in a row. <laughs> it's like that's fine. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like my if I was gonna pick a two thousands record, I I would go with Beck Sea Change. It was like it's not really part of the scene of music we're kind of discussing, but it just kept on coming back to me. You know, as I thought about it through the week, it's just like so such great such great tunes and cool production you could live in that record for a real long time yeah and you, you were a Beck fan already prior to that record right yeah yeah definitely definitely been a big Beck fan since I was a little kid so yeah come and by it, naturally and what was it about that that particular particular album that sticks out for you then well I feel like I mean at the time I guess I, I guess I got to talk about it in two different ways like one with my like head on my shoulders right now and then at the time at the time it it sort of struck me just as like being real like clear and beautiful or as like something like Odelay or um was just like super ram-packed with like all these nuggets and like samples and stuff like that and I remember like it feeling so open and cool like all these string arrangements at the time kind of blowing my mind but it's funny like and but now I, I really love 
I love it for all the nuggets it actually does have, but they're more traditional nuggets. Like it's like more live band nuggets where there's just these perfect moments where like he'll finish a lyric and then a guitarist will just do like a little fill that kind of just like takes your hand through to the next moment of the song. You know, it's sort of like a, a little masterclass in, in that sort of style of arranging, I, I would say. So, yeah, I, I would say that would be my that would be my that would be my pick. I guess it showed his skill to you know it wasn't just all about these sort of heavy samples that he had uh, on different albums. It, you know that's that songwriting craft that he got was really clear here, wasn't it? Yeah, real really well crafted. Well crafted is a good good way to put it. Yeah, I mean not that those other records weren't well crafted. I mean you have to be a good craftsman to get those those records sounding awesome. So, but yeah. But yeah, like tra- traditional song craft, I guess you could say. Yeah, nice. And you got a favorite song off of that one? Good pressure on that. Uh, la- guess I'm doing fine. I, I would say mm-hmm. has been been a favorite lately. I've like been listening to that a lot lately. A friend of mine recommended it to me as something to listen to, just you know, to like clear your head or like start the day of, of working in the studio just because it's so well balanced and, and right. So I've actually been like listening to that a ton lately. So that's the first one that comes to mind. Cool. Good stuff. How about you, Thomas? What would you do if, uh, or what would you go for if we asked you to pick your favorite album from the 2000s? This was a really difficult one because um, it's such like a era that's cemented in my life with so like, you know, the early 2000s are so, so different from the, 2010s, but I finally ended up landing on, um, and this was sort of a surprise for me, just like thinking about it, but like the the Unicorns album, um, who will cut our hair when we're gone. Um, I, I didn't realize like when it came out at the time, I didn't really listen to it much, but I kept on coming back to it. Um, I'm not sure if it like made a wave over in the UK, but um, it just is just great pop album that sounds like all the arrangements sounds like so haphazard and like they're the whole band's ready to collapse, but like, it's all in, very intricately put together and arranged like some you know, songs that have like five choruses that don't really do each other, but they're just like have all these hooks and great synth lines and the production is great. Um, yeah. that I, I would say that one. Cool. It's not one that I'm, I'm that familiar with Thomas. So would you, would you liken them to anybody like if, if you could say like um to, to our listeners if you like this band you might want to check out the unicorns as well uh, <laughs> gee, gee i don't know um <laughs> if you like the beatles check it out <laughs> 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 like the spencer band uh yeah, i don't yeah, know yeah. i don't know what they sound like they just they they also sound like timeless and i don't know uh to me they just sound like a band that when i first heard it it was like oh i've, I've heard this before but i i didn't um so yeah, I don't. If yeah, if any of your listeners haven't heard it, go go check it out. Yeah, <laughs> great album title as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good stuff, uh, Nick Thomas. Thanks so much for joining us on the uh, bonus podcast here. We, we're doing with your favorite albums from the noughties, and it was great to chat as well for the longer podcast about the Spinso Band. So thanks for coming on. There you go, Rich. Uh, two. Quite different choices, I think, from Nick yeah. and Thomas there. Um, let's kick off with Nick. Beck, Sea Change. One of yeah. his 14 albums, Rich. I looked this up and uh, <laughs> counted it because I, uh, well, yeah, incredible, isn't it? What 
sort of output from this man. Yeah, really, really prolific. We saw, talked about the Beatles being prolific back in their time, but yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Beck similarly prolific, and and uh, and yeah, I think I remember Beck sort of breaking out in those sort of more the Britpop era, really, wasn't it? Sort of the mid to late nineties with tracks like Loser and Devil's Haircut. He was that kind of. Um, he was a bit of a bit of a bit of a, 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 a quirky act, wasn't he? I think I think I seem to remember him being like a, a sort of cool act to like if you if you're British, you know this 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 cool this cool weird American guy who uses all these samples and uh, and uh, I think he reminded me, um, oh actually, not rather the other way around. We had Harmar Superstar on a few uh, a few months back, a few months back, probably over a year ago now, wasn't it? Um, mm. And Harmar and Beck, they always seemed a little bit similar to me in terms of their styles um, being very unique and again they had that kind of uh, tie to the British music scene that they uh, they were that cool act that uh, that people liked and they spent a lot of time touring over here both of them uh, a bit like the Spinto band as well of course you know they, I think they were all, all three of those acts were sort of taken to uh, many British hearts and uh, and yeah I think there's a definite definite affinity there. Uh, Rich little spot quiz for you. <laughs> I didn't warn you about this, uh, but you just mentioned it there. And you said, uh, Beck, a trendy artist for British musicians to like. Which um, indie band, I think, well, this album was late 90s. So, you know, just fringes of this, uh, <laughs> of uh, being allowed on this to be mentioned on this podcast at all, really. But which uh, big British indie band referenced a Beck song in one of their lyrics to one of their biggest hits? Oh, God, mate. Um... Reference Beck himself or a Beck song? A uh, song. Um, was it was it Travis? Is that the song I'm thinking <laughs> of? Travis. Is it Travis? Yes. Is, it, is it Slideshow? Is it that? Um, yes. Yeah. There's yes. there's a really good there's a, a a few lyrics in there that reference a few songs. Uh, you got them there in front of you. There is no devil's haircut in your mind. There's no not a wonder wall to climb or step around. Yeah. But there is a slideshow. Yeah. 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 Can't yeah. Make- very good tune that one um and of course that's uh, leads into the secret song on that album as well blue flashing light oh yeah yeah okay. i think that's more than enough talk about an album released in the 90s but uh, yeah, yeah moving on to the unicorns um well i you know i keep saying it i think i've said this several times on these bonus podcasts i think this is what's really fun about asking this question because um well actually the person that we we speak to next week uh, mentioned this and he's like how can you know this is impossible question to answer because there's so many good albums around then and you know so many good bands how can you pick just one album from the noughties and that's the whole fun of it it's like you know so many people go for you know the big bands and the you know the ones that you would straight away list as like the most important influential ones but then other people have got albums that you know, as we mentioned on the bonus podcast last week lost gems or little known gems and um for thomas it was the unicorns album who will cut our hair when we're gone and um yeah, a little bit of discovery for me this week, tuning into them, tuning into the, this Canadian band. And um, yeah, I missed them first time around, most definitely. But uh, I, I'd recommend going and giving them a spin on Spotify. Definitely worth a listen that one. Yeah, yeah. And so we, we asked Thomas, didn't we, um, who he would liken them to, Pete? So uh, he said, well, you like the <laughs> well, like yeah. Spinto band. So uh, Pete, come on, fill in blanks. Who else oh, would yeah, you like them to? Uh, yeah, no, no, that's <laughs> definitely a tricky question. I can see why Thomas struggled with it. Um, I think, well, the problem is, I think there's a bit of uh, experimentation that goes on. Or that's not experimentation. They, they uh, yeah, they, they deviate from, I think he, he tried to say, oh, if you like Spinto Band, if you like the Beatles, you'll like this. But 
they do uh, they play around with the sound a bit more than than those two bands i think uh you just go and listen to them rich <laughs> go and give them a spotify play this yeah. is what you uh, really to difficult do. to pigeonhole this band isn't it but it's well like... they are if, if anyone's got a better uh, analysis of them than me then please write in um but good stuff yeah so yeah two interesting choices yeah, very interesting. Yeah. So thanks again to Thomas and Nick for joining us on this week's pod. And um, please join us again uh, this weekend where we've got another uh, cracking interview with you with uh, our first Australian guest of <laughs> Boys in the Band podcast. We've been, uh, as, well, yeah, as a, as two or three you know, really big Australian bands of that time that we've definitely uh, been been chasing after since we started this podcast. And we finally nailed one. And um, yeah, it was a, we had a great chat. Um, and uh, yeah, so that will be landing on your devices on Saturday morning, so long as you are subscribed. Um, so yeah, do do make sure you are subscribed, uh, following us on all our social media, and uh, yeah, we'll look forward to bringing that to you this coming weekend. Get the Fosters in, and uh, yeah. <laughs> the Fosters in the Castle Main. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> stick the Barbie on in, in the cold weather. <laughs> See you then. Nice one. <laughs>